So the next part that we're going to look at is trading models and certifications. Uh, and before I invite the panel up, I'm just going to go through some of the very basics of, of some of the certifications that um, are recognised within coffee. Um, we were going to have um, an expert here uh, to do this, but unfortunately she lost her passport while doing Tampa Tantrum in New York. Um, that happens. So um, you get me instead. Um, so um, we're going to start off with looking at organic. Um, the mission of organic is to create a verified sustainable agricultural system um, that produces food harmony with nature, supports biodiversity and enhances soil health. Established around about 1967-ish, um, price up of the producer varies quite a, quite a bit. Um, normally the cost of production is much higher for um, uh, organic grown uh, coffee um, and that tends to get taken into account uh, but there is uh, a premium of uh, a little bit and um, for a buyer to be certified it varies between seven hundred and three thousand dollars per year this is all from the SCAA's uh, website of um, uh, certifications and being as though we're unifying then we should use their information. Um, fair trade certified is to support a better life for farming families. I think we're all fairly um, comfortable with what uh, fair trade means. Um, community development, sustainability. Around about 1970, the idea came, but really the fair trade organization started in 19, uh, 1998. I think that's 88 actually, but... Um, uh, there's a cost to the producer of auditing and, and to be certified um, and they have to fulfill quite a number of obligations uh, to the buyer. Um, there's a, a minimum price, um, it's uh, one forty per pound um, uh, plus a 10 cent uh, per pound premium but that can be much more, it's not just set at that, it doesn't just have to be um, that price. Um, and obviously when market changes that, that can go up and down. Uh, Rainforest Alliance is uh, to integrate biodiversity, conservation, community development, workers' rights uh, and agricultural practices um, to ensure comprehensive sustainable farm management. Um, started in 1992, first certification was uh, 1996. Um, the cost of the producer, there's a cost of auditing again, um, but that's normally covered by the buyer and fees to the buyer. Um, 15 cents per pound based on volume. Uh, Rainforest Rain Alliance certification helps farmers learn how to negotiate for themselves, help them to earn more money uh, through efficiency, improve quality and control costs. Uh, UT certified um, to achieve a sustainable agricultural supply chain where producers and professionals are implementing good business practices which enable better businesses, livelihoods and environments. Uh, set up in 1997, first certification was 2001, and um, yet yeah, the fees, fees to producer is zero, um, just auditing fees, and fees to the buyer, um, as you can see there, uh, 0.5 average for Arabica um, premium. And then the 4C common code uh, to improve economic, social and environmental conditions through more sustainable and transparent practices for all who make a living from the coffee sector. Established 2003, price to the producer, yearly membership, um, fees to the buyer, yearly membership also. Um, no premium price atta attached to the code. Uh, individual negotiations happen between producers. So um, let's meet our panel. I'd like to invite them up. 
we've got uh, Sarah Marachi, Joanna Alm, who you met earlier, and Eva Gaffelt Nordell. Please come join us. Welcome back. My phone's turned off this time. I did good. Um, we obviously have met um, Joanna and Sarah, but uh, for Eva, uh, Eva is from the south of Sweden. Um, yeah, but, but live in the north now. Because <laughs> you moved to the mountains of Jatland. Jam Jamtland? Yeah. Oh. See, my Swedish is getting better. After a Master of Arts in Education, uh, six years of teaching French and physical education at high school, um, uh, Eva decided to do something different and started Ara Café Rostri in 2007 um, with her husband, Per Nodell. Um, Ara is um, one of the first specialty coffee roasteries in Sweden. Um, she's a Cup of Excellence jury member, uh, also judges barista competition as a sensory judge, um, and she works as a barista and the head roaster and green buyer. Wow, that's a lot of job titles. <laughs> um, in 2012, her husband competed in the World Barista Championships in Vienna, where he reached semi-finals, um, with Eva roasting the coffee for him and also coaching him, and being a... WBC coach, I feel your pain. Um, in 2014, uh, she won the Invitational World Roasters Cup in Taiwan, uh, where she got best espresso and best roast. Um, outside of coffee, a love of animals, and it isn't a home unless there's 16 paws in the house, apparently. <laughs> and waiting for two kittens to come. Have the kittens come yet? No. Oh, not yet. <laughs> so please, big round of applause for Eva. So, Sarah, can you um, give us a little bit about the, the experience that you've had in the supply chain of coffee um, and your experience with these certifications that we've touched on extremely briefly? Um, what's your preference when it comes to sourcing coffee and um, kind of being part of that chain and, and why? Um. Well, when it, when it comes to certification, it has been a little bit of a journey. So I, I, I was fixated at some point on something, and then my, uh, my perspective changed um, over time. To put this in perspective, I, I, I worked for many years, and I owe most of my coffee knowledge to uh, uh, Sustainable Harvest Coffee importers. And they started uh, their specialty business uh, pretty much in the middle of the 90s, right after the international coffee agreement fell apart. Um, if you were buying coffee in the 90s, you would probably be buying coffees at about 80, 90 cents uh, per pound, which is not a price that we have seen in a long time. And so in that particular historical context, fair trade especially uh, took a really strong stand in creating uh, a price floor uh, because it saw uh, a need at that particular moment in creating a floor for a lot of the producers that were clearly selling coffee below the cost of productions. And so I have over the years come to um, appreciate a lot of the work that uh, was made possible with the fair trade certification and with the or organic certification. Um, from if your mission is to break the cycle uh, of poverty, uh, being able to address social issues uh, within a particular uh, context is, is usually um, 
quite impactful. Uh, a lot of people think that farmers are poor because they grow coffee, but most of the time, coffee is their ticket out of poverty. They are poor because of lack of infrastructure, because they work uh, or they live in, in countries that have been sanctioned. So we just talked about Ethiopia. Uh, Colombia just this week woke up to a failed peace agreement with the NARC. So a lot of the coffee producers that we work with uh, will continue living in low, conf low intensity conflicts. Um, so when you think about how, what can I do in order to improve the livelihoods, sometimes it's not only about price, but what you can do to improve the social economics. And usually the social premium for fair trade was meant to address uh, issues that usually cannot be tackled at the individual level. So even if a farmer say a single estate owner, can be wealthy and can make money off their coffee, they might not be able to address the lack of infrastructures, hospitals and schools and, and access to water. Having said that, it's true that over the years, you know, every model, uh, in this case certification model, come under scrutiny. And I think scrutiny is healthy. And there has been... Uh, Example instances where I think fair trade has failed to report on their social impact and or has failed to uh, work to improve the democratic process on how, for example, social premiums are being used. Um, and that has, I think, led to the disenfranchisement of a lot of roasters that early on bought into the, into the movement. Um, and I think a lot decided, maybe I can do something uh, better. Uh, I can be more flexible if I uh, interact. And so direct trade started to come uh, in the picture. And, and, and I think um, at the beginning, I was a bit skeptical of, of the direct trade. I've come to learn more about it and to appreciate it. Ultimately, everybody will come will be asked one way or another whether you are part of a certification scheme or you decided to do it on your own to report on your social impact. And that's where I think right now uh, direct trade is facing uh, the challenge of what indicators are we using and what are you really reporting on? And 10 years from now, what are you gonna be your claims? What have you really done? And so I think that that's really the next challenge. You were saying that you had, um, you know, you, you were very motivated by the fair trade model early on. Are there aspects of that model that you find considered? So, for instance, as a as a coffee buyer myself, I find fair trade excludes um, many many producers that can't be part of that because of the cooperative nature of it, um, because of certain countries just it not really being a sustainable model. I mean, it's certainly not a one size fits all, but. It, uh, are fair trade doing anything to address these things? Because it's an obvious concern as uh, we all have as coffee buyers. I've had that conversation many, many times and with coffee producers. I think that the biggest challenge that uh, we have is that there's still a lot of unorganized farmers and any country where you go from, from Mexico all the way to Peru, uh, not all farmers are organized. And when you have maybe 300 hectares that you deal with, you don't have to be organized. You have enough bargaining power, you have enough uh, resources to be able to stand on your own feet and be able to negotiate. Um, unfortunately, there's tons and tons of farmers that are not organized that live on a hectare and a half, and we know that's not sustainable. Um, luckily, uh, where the fair trade is not a solution for everything. There are instances where unorganized farmers can rely on the good work of dry mills. Um, Honduras is a perfect 
perfect example where I think, um, you know, through the work of dry mills operating completely independently with farmers, they've been able to raise the livelihoods of independent smallholder farmers. And so that's a perfect model. It doesn't have to be just one. Luckily, we have many different models, and I think some work very well. I think in overall Central America, fair trade because of the, just the culture of cooperativism that is very um, entrenched in the culture of the country has been extremely successful. Uh, look at Nicaragua, for example. I mean, they, they come out of the Sandinista revolution, so they definitely have that in their blood. Um, and then other countries where it just doesn't work, and maybe that's not just the right the right approach. So let's be flexible. I mean, it, it's not necessarily what's best. You know, it's not one wins and the other one loses. Fantastic. Uh, coming to you, Eva. Um, I know that you have lots of experience of working with certified coffees. It's kind of what you've built a lot of the roastery um, uh, on. Um, is it more or less difficult to work with certifications? And um, what would be your ideal way to source coffee? There you go. <laughs> uh, uh, we started not, when we started the roastery, we wanted to like go fair trade, organic, and all that. And then you like, no, it's not possible. You're too small, you don't get the good coffee that you want. So we started to make other trades. And uh, I started as a jury in a Cup of Excellence, and I got the chances to meet farmers and I got the chances to meet uh, and buy coffee directly from them. And that's how we started to have good relationships and have direct trade. But then over the years, um, in my region, it's, uh, uh, we, we, are, we are trying to be a handcraft food region in Sweden, and people understand organic, they understand fair trade, and it's difficult in a few words explain what we are doing when you have the question at your coffee shop. So that's why we also have started to have two blends that are certified organic. But uh, if I could decide, I would uh, prefer not to. <laughs> so I would uh, have the direct trade, be able to choose the coffee I want, have a nice relationship with, with the farmer, and by a lot of different ori single origins. But for uh, the um, organic, uh, we, we don't roast it at our small roastery, so we roast it in, in a bigger roastery because we are not able to have the both in the small area of the roastery because then you will have a lot of coffee that it's organic but that you cannot sell organic because you have to have another roast between the roasts. <laughs> so that's, that's a problem. But uh, as we've solved it now, it's easy because we um, sell at the supermarket, as we are a food region, or try to be, or whatever. <laughs> We're not France, but we, we want to. <laughs> and um, uh, so we have a special... Um, room in our supermarket where we uh, show 
special uh, handcrafted food from our region, and that's also where we have our coffee. And then people don't know so much about specialty coffee, but they see it's organic. And then they can start to understand more and more. So, so you, you mentioned about the, that you've started to do the direct trade, um, kind of you know working straight to the producers. What what challenges has that given you? And um, how do you get the message across to the consumer uh, who wants the fair trade product? Yeah, it's uh, it's also a problem because in Sweden now we have a government that wants Sweden to be a fair trade country. <laughs> Never heard about that. We the, the, it doesn't exist, <laughs> but we will be the first country they say, <laughs> and they don't know how to do that. So yes, uh, as we have a government that pumps out this message of how good fair trade is, it's uh, harder. Just you know, you you want you know what you do, but to speak that in few words in to a customer standing one minute before you, that's hard to reach because they they don't ask. I, I think you were uh, saying before you you have to answer the questions, but the thing is they don't ask you how you trade your coffee. They ask you, are you fair trade? They don't ask you, how do you trade your coffee? And they don't ask if I'm organic. They ask me if I'm krav. That's a special <laughs> uh, thing that we have in Sweden. So yeah, that's, uh, that's hard to. So we try to have some written if they want. And uh, so they can have, if they sit on the, in the cafe, we have all on our web page how we trade the coffee and uh, all the origins. And yeah. Fantastic. Thank you. So, um, Joanna, also based in Sweden. God, the Nords are taking over. Um, <laughs> it's not a good thing. Um, you don't use certified coffee um, and you have a, a, a fairly... Um, it's fair to say that majority of your coffee comes from a very well-known reputable importer, reputable importer um, with some direct trade coffees in there. Um, does buying from an importer pose some problems to you? And um, how do you make sure that it, it is trade, traded you know, ethically and sourced well? Um, what do you do to, do to find that out? Uh, yeah, to go back like from where we started, so we started in 2009 and directly when we installed the roaster it was like, oh, we are going to do direct trade. That's fantastic. That's how you do it. Uh, we went to yeah, Colombia and Nicaragua and, and then we came home. Uh, we bought uh, coffees expensively and it was a middle hands getting heaps of, uh, heaps of money. And in the end, the coffee arriving didn't taste good at all. And it turned out like after a lot of tracking down and a lot of hours that we had gotten a long lot and in the contract, it didn't say anything about that. And somewhere there, like the, the journey was that we were starting to work with people who had experience of this. Like, as, as I said earlier, like if, you, if you're gonna do it and import something, you should do it right. So then rather we took help of people that were good in doing that. Um, and we've been working with, with many different regions um, and more or less like relying on, on others to do their job properly. 
and um, they they truly are, they hardly are. But I can see like as the situation that um, you're having when people are coming in and asking, it's so important that all of our baristas knows the coffee by heart. And we know like, okay, that coffee from that lot is coming in now, that one is coming in later. This is what we, like if we know the coffee and exactly know what the product and who the people behind it is and what's the issues there and what's the good things there, we can so much easier communicate this. So instead of having perhaps nine different audience or seven, we have now cut it down to mainly work with five, where I travel to all the origins uh, once per year uh, with, an importer or a direct trade, so. So how do you know that the importer is doing a good job? What kind of questions? And do you have any examples of kind of things that you've come across um, that you felt that you were having a clear view back to the producer, uh, even with the importer in, in the middle? Yeah, very much. Like that's like, uh, yeah, as I said, I don't think in Africa uh, that I could work in, any other way. Um, I'm probably being a pain in the ass to these people and just like... No! Yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, just like asking, asking again, double checking, um, and especially when you're out uh, at Origin and like properly like look at the books, okay, what are they doing about, oh, how many females do they have working here? What's the improvement of females, etc. Um, we do have examples where these numbers couldn't be shown and then simply we're not buying the coffee anymore. We do have talking about organic and such. We do have one coffee for that we can choose for the same price, like for being organic certified or, or not. Uh, and yeah, it ended up like, I'm just like, no, I don't need the organic. Like it's, it's almost like, um, uh, a statement uh, like it's it's the same it's the same coffee um, so we don't need that that's great um, so in New York last week we had uh, Colleen Anunu talking about uh, the misinformation surrounding certifications if I can come back to you Sarah and talk about what, what common misconceptions are there of uh, of the different certifications um, and and as a specialty industry, do we really understand um, properly what certifications and the work they do at Origin? Uh, I think it's it's a learning curve. Um, what I have seen is that sometimes people say, "Well, f f fair trade or organic, uh, they 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 should stand for quality, but they don't. And there is a dichotomy between either you go for fair trade coffee or you go for quality coffee. And uh, that's that's a, I guess I can see exactly where that argument comes from. Um, I also don't think that um, fair trade necessarily stands for quality at all. I've never seen an auditor cupping a coffee and say, let's see if you, your 84 is really an 84. Uh, it's not their job. It's, it, fair trade has not... Uh, has definitely set some standards in terms of you know um, environmental practices and processing practices that in the past may have helped uh, quality to a certain extent or at least some some change with the way we understand good best practices at the farm but if you buy fair trade that does not mean you're buying specialty necessarily um, and I don't think 
um, there is really a, how can I say, there's no conflict there. It's not an either or. Um, and, you know, I, we, I bought a lot of fair trade coffee that was okay and a lot of fair trade coffee that was not okay. Um, and then usually if I'm looking for the 86 and above, I probably don't go to a cooperative because that's probably not what they're standing for. That's not... They're, that's not what they're trying to achieve. And so as a, as, a, as a buyer, you have to know your customers. If I want a certain product, where should I go and get that product? And it would be a mistake if you, uh, you know, maybe approach a cooperative that works with 5,000 or uh, producers. Maybe that's not the place where you can get your micro lots. Um, so you need to do your, your due diligence in that sense. But uh, certifications and quality do not come in hand, hand in hand, and they shouldn't. And I don't think uh, anybody wanted it that way, to be completely honest. Eva, you talked about... Um uh, fair trade in Sweden being a, a, a very big thing and um, how the government are pushing forward with that with the fair trade country. And I, I've kind of seen, um, you know, on visits to Sweden, how you know, ethical buying is a, a very big thing for, for consumers. What are the misconceptions of customers when they come in and you say, oh, we haven't got fair trade, but we've got this direct trade coffee here? Yeah, the thing is that People in common doesn't know what fair trade is. They doesn't know it's only cooperatives that are able to be fair trade. Uh, they don't know it doesn't come with uh, quality or quality. <laughs> and um, that's uh, and then when when I say that we have a direct trade, then it depends. Do they believe me that I'm a good person? You don't. You, you cannot show. Yeah, I'm. I'm. I'm so good. <laughs> I'm so nice. So humble. <laughs> so so you 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 are like. It's easy to get in the defense because you. How could I tell them that we actually try to make a better work and we we also try to make really good coffee and. Um, and and not being defensive. So that, I think, is a problem. How to, in a polite way, nicely say that, yes, we are doing this, and it's because of that. So, um, Joanna, I mean, I we've talked about the organic certification and how, you know, you could have had the same coffee for the same price and it be organic uh, against not being organic. And I know that in Nordic culture, again, you know, the I Love Eco brand is a very big <laughs> thing and you kind of go in the supermarkets and everything is organic. Um, do you do you have problems telling consumers are, are they, that, you know, this coffee is grown organically, it's just not certified organic because we haven't gone through the certification or do, is that a problem with consumers? I think very much of that is just what uh, Eva is saying. Like there is so much in in trusting a person. I guess it's the same thing that we are like if we are just like okay, you see me uh, standing here, and I want to work uh, direct in this country. But this company that we're working with, we have a person there that I hardly trust. Uh, uh, being there ten ten months of the year, and they are looking at this. Like that message is is uh, more important and it's fairly easy to communicate. I think the uh, just communicating a cooperative and the person behind it talking about how yeah small some 
lots are. It's uh, no, I, I actually like I, I wouldn't go out and say, oh, we are beyond that. Like it's absolutely not. It's just a, it, it, it's a different model. Like um, that's what it is, and we're trying to like it wouldn't um, with the model we wish to work and and uh, with the qualities. Uh, it wouldn't necessarily uh, work with only working with certified farmers because then, I mean, as you're talking about the fair trade certifi certification, oh my God, what is then happening with all the producers that are relying us to buy their coffee the next three years? And when we we kind of we look at what we're doing with all of our different buy models and i think you know we from the panel we have here it's quite diverse diverse buy in do you think we're actually achieving what we want to achieve and with you joanna no i it's like with every sport i mean of course you can push yourself a lot more um of course you can uh, track more you can set new boundaries and um, be harder on yourself, absolutely. And in some way, I think that the certification is like if they are doing um, a certain level, we want to try to do what we find important on a, on a higher level. So it's absolutely it's like a, you can push yourself and you can push yourself um, a lot more, in, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. And also to be said, like it's the... Yeah, when you're traveling, like talking about um, Africa, like in the and the structure there, you can truly see like what the certification has done as well. Like with the how organized they are, and they are having the paper in track, and they are having that in track, and that in track. So yeah, it's uh, it's not a black and white question. Mm -hmm. And and Eva, do you feel the same? I mean, do you, do you like is that the, is that a similar feeling to you have that we can do more? Yes, we can always do more, but um, uh, the, the thing that I, I, I'm not in Stockholm, <laughs> I'm, I'm in a village, we are a thousand people who lives there. Where I live, we are 11 people who lives, where we have the roastery. <laughs> I hope they're all customers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, otherwise they have to move. <laughs> no, so, and... Um, but we are a touristic village, so during the high season, we are like 50,000 people. So I don't have um, customers, daily customers who comes to my coffee bar. I have weekly customers, so every week eight, all these people are coming. And that's a challenge uh, to, to, to tell them what we are doing. So yes, we can do a lot more, uh, but I think for being such a small company, we are trying our best. And I think that uh, many, many um, coffee roasters do, and that we are hard on ourselves a lot as well. And sometimes it's like, yeah, okay, I just go organic and fair trade. Then I just have to say that, and the bakery on the other, they, they, yeah, that's what they do. Have shitty coffee, and uh, <laughs> and, um, and and but they can promote that easily. And and I think you're right. We do beat ourselves up more than any other industry about being yes. ethical. I think that's a really good thing. I'm really proud to be part of an industry that does that. But we do beat ourselves up far more than the chocolate industry do, yeah. or you know the banana industry. We like we really do beat ourselves up, and um, and I think we should continue to do that to push forward. Yes, we should. And also that um, 
uh, we have this uh, organization organic that your cafe i don't know if you have this in in other countries but we can be uh, certified as a cafe organic certified and that's a really good thing every swedes think but and then you can have like 15% of your of all your things that you have in the cafe and then you are certified organic but if you're a roastery you have to have 100% mm. so yeah and and that does people doesn't know that so that's why the certification is uh, hard because they only tell one truth and it's only black and white so yeah we have just to just to pump out our message <laughs> And sorry, like um, Jenny's shouting at me on the text, so we have got to wrap up. So that's just a cue to be brief. But <laughs> um, do you feel we're achieving? We are achieving things. I, I mean, as an industry, do you think we are ethical, and do you think we're becoming? We are moving in the right direction to be more ethical. I I, I think so. I think we are we're trying our best. There's definitely challenges. Um, just last night, I was reading the the one article that really. Uh, trash the fair trade. It was the Huffington Post from 2000, the top 10 reason why fair trade doesn't work. And although I, I don't necessarily agree with all of it, I think it's a good reminder whether you are buying organic, whether you're doing direct trade, whether you uh, go through an importer, read that article and, and look at what you're doing and ask yourself those very same questions. And, and it goes back to what Eva was saying, keep questioning. Um, I would love, I mean, it would be great if in the next few years we would have a good solution for all farmers of all walks of life with all varieties and altitudes and locations to see this is probably the best uh, uh, place for you to be. It could be organic, it could be fair trade, it could be you're a COE person. Um, I think if we have enough models so that all farmers can find a way to increase their livelihoods through better sourcing methods, I think that that would be a much, it would be a great improvement from where we are today. And I think it's also important for us to remember that every one of these models is not perfect. I've seen many direct trade contracts that made my hair curl and I've seen many fair trade contracts that I would have been incredibly proud to be associated with my company so there's not one size that fits all it's we really do have there are some positive and negative um, uh, examples of every one of these certifications and trading models um, we're gonna have to wrap it up there if we're gonna have a coffee break apparently so um, a, a fantastic panel I'm sure you'll agree I feel I've learned a lot Please, can you put your hands together for this afternoon's panel? Thank you.